Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills Podcast. Dag Heward Mills Podcast is a broadcast outreach of Dag Heward Mills Ministries, which has the duty to bring you the very best from the vast teaching archive of healing evangelist, best-selling author, and megachurch pastor, Dag Heward Mills. This Monday's message will encourage you to be a Christian who puts others before themselves. Today's teaching will give you key steps that you can implement to become a Christian who cares for others not only spiritually, but practically also. Bishop Dag will teach you seven vital qualities that God is looking for in a helper who desires to fulfill the great commission of winning souls for the kingdom of God and caring for them also. You will strive to be a Christian who is a reliable and dependable servant of God after listening to today's important message. Enjoy the word. What a blessing. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this amazing time we have in your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, it's time to give an offering, but I want to share something with you about prosperity. I'm sure you realize we are always having prosperity messages. Some people say we are not a prosperity church, but we have prosperity message every Sunday. Is it not amazing? So today I am sharing with you about the mystery of prosperity. Now, Mark 4 and verse 11. Of verse 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. All right? They asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Okay? Now, right here, um, you see the word mystery. The mystery of the kingdom of God. Amen. So, one of the very, very clear things that you must understand is that there are mysteries in the kingdom of God. Amen. And obviously there are mysteries. There are a lot of mysterious things that exist 
in the kingdom. So Jesus said, it is given to you to know the mystery. The mystery of the kingdom of God. The what? The mystery. Mystery means not clear what is going on or things are not following a certain pattern. For instance, you may go into a house and you are searching for somebody who you know is in the house. And you go upstairs, downstairs, and everywhere, and he is not there. And you didn't see the person coming out or going in. You saw the person going in, but hasn't come out. So, it's a mystery. How many understand what is the meaning of mystery? Things that are not easy to understand and and to which you need more information or more revelation to understand how come somebody went in and didn't come out. Like we had one, somebody went to an embassy, went in and didn't come out. And then there were more things that come up and then you understand that mystery. You get what I'm saying? One lady told me she was in the war in Liberia and the rebels came there to their house and searched the whole house. But she was there. But the rebels couldn't find her because she was in the ceiling. Okay? So to solve the mystery of the missing house owners, you need to get into the ceiling or have an idea that somebody can even be in the ceiling. You get what I'm saying? So, all I'm trying to explain is that the kingdom of God has mysteries. And too bad if you don't understand all the mysteries. Jesus said, wicked people like the Pharisees, he will speak to them in parables and continually minister mysteries to them without ever explaining a word. Jesus said it. He said, because of the hardness of their heart. But these people, their heart is hardened. Their ears are filled with wax. So I will continually give them baffling mysteries which they don't understand. But they are wicked people. So when you are wicked people, or when you are a wicked person, you are entitled to mysteries without solutions. Are you there or you are leaving? Verse 12, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear eh? and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted. So he wanted them to never understand, never see, lest, because if they understand, they'll be converted and their sins will be forgiven them. And he didn't want them to be forgiven. Because they were very some way. So one of the punishments 
for a wicked person is to keep the person in the dark. Keep you in the dark and keep you in a mysterious mood where you don't understand things. Are you with me? Yeah. So now, let's come to prosperity. Prosperity is a very mysterious both subject and an experience. It is difficult to prosper no matter the job you do and no matter the country you live in. No matter your job and no matter your country, it is difficult to prosper. And then when you even prosper, it's difficult to be happy still. I saw this actor who slapped somebody. He has gone to an Indian guru. Something, Maduro, something. He has arrived in India. I saw it on the news for spiritual consultations. It's not easy. Oh, yes. It's amazing. So, prosperity is a whole mystery. And life on this earth is mysterious. And God doesn't seem to be in a hurry to explain things. He keeps us in the dark. For what I think also one of the reasons is to help us to become men of faith. And you don't even know why. If you take somebody like Jacob, he thought Joseph was dead for years. God didn't tell him that he was not dead. So years and years and years, he was there, very sad and mourning. But he was alive. I don't know why God wanted him to be sad or allowed him to be sad. He was in prison for 12 years. Plus the one year before, plus one year and some months before he actually saw him. No, 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 never. That was part, so part of his life was just like that. And it will not be easy to recover from that. But there are many things that are mysterious. So, anyone who thinks you know, God is in a hurry to reveal things to you. You must know that you, you probably need to be very close or special to God, like John, the revelator, who had a lot of revelations given to him. You know, close to Jesus, or like Daniel. Remember, the angel said, you are really loved of God, and God gave him all the revelations in Daniel. But the rest of us, we just stay in the darkness. Those who are not as loved. Tell your neighbor, those of you who are not as loved, you know, you have to stay in the mysterious darkness and battle it out. As Curtis was singing last week, you battle it out <laughs> through the night. Amazing. So, prosperity is mysterious. So, that is why 
something as mysterious as sowing a seed or giving can contribute to prosperity. Like, you have 2,000 cities or 2,000 cities and you need 3,000 cities. But giving some of the 2,000, which is even less than what you need, you see, can mysteriously contribute to you having the 3,000 that you need. I don't know if you understand. The calculation is not working at all. How many will agree with me that the calculation is not working at all? You have 2,000. You need 3,000. And you are, instead of keeping the 2,000 and then building up, you are subtracting from the 2,000. Are you serious? Are you mad? You get it? And you are giving it to what? To church or to some cause that you are not even sure of what they are going to do with the money. You get what I'm saying? And then when you give it into that basket, you have to tell yourself that you've given it to God. Meanwhile, it was the basket you saw. (laughs) And you have never seen God before. Is it not a mystery? Oh, yes. So, Jesus said to them, to you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. Amen. Now, when Jesus came to this world, all right, he made certain comments about riches and prosperity, which have forever thrown a shadow on prosperity. When you say certain things, you get it you really cast a shadow on it. Now, for Jesus to say that, uh, it is easier for a camel to walk through a needle that is lying on the floor that is so small that even even if it goes into the hoof of the camel, you won't see it. Because the camel's hoof is bigger than my hand. And it's just pressing on the little needle. That it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle. Those of you who didn't do sewing and what is it called? Vocational, what is it called? Life skills. No, but there's, a, there's a name. Pre-book. Okay, anyway. You will know that a needle has an eye. A little hole at the top there. We, we did needlework. I did needlework, sewing. So there's an eye of the needle. And that a camel can go, a camel which is as tall as this, can go through the eye of a needle. It's easier than for a man who is loaded to go to heaven. That if you are loaded, you can't go to heaven. No, it's a serious shadow. 
Are you there or you are leaving? And for Jesus to say, do not lay up riches on earth. Don't do it. But lay up riches in heaven. It's another serious question on prosperity. So because of that, many people think that you cannot be rich and prosperous. Again, you see, this is mysterious. Because Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all these guys, they were all rich people. And a lot of blessings in the Bible have to do with prosperity. But there's one person who stands out amongst the rich people. And that is Job chapter 1, verse 1. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright. Change the version. What does he say? Perfect and upright. The man was blameless, upright, fearing God. Wow. Blameless, upright, and fearing God. And turning away from evil. Hmm? Amazing. Now, his substance, okay, was also 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. I think you will not understand these ones now. 500 she asses. And a very great household. So that what? This man was the greatest. He was one of the oligarchs. Oligarchs. He was the greatest of all the men of the East. Now, East is Thailand, Bangkok, India, Bombay, Malaysia, Korea, Japan, Singapore, Philippines. These are the Asian tigers, the East. He was the richest man from that place. And at the same time, he was perfect and upright. So I announce to you today that it's possible to be rich and righteous. Riches and righteousness are possible together. Everybody say rich and righteous. So it is another mystery. You get what I'm saying? Based on what Jesus said, you see now suddenly we are seeing that a very great but the Asia, one of the Asian tigers, he was, I mean, a top, top, top man there and he was righteous. Wow. So here we see again that prosperity is truly mysterious. You know? And all the things that happened to Job also, you see that God didn't tell Job why. You know, apart from that, the things happened. God didn't tell Job why the things had happened. He didn't tell him that was Satan had come and so many things. It was, it was not, there was no explanation. Job just experienced it. As part of being Job. 
Are you still around or you are leaving? So anyway, the, my message is very simple. Is my message simple? What is the message? Prosperity is mysterious. How many would agree that prosperity is mysterious? So when you are asked to do something mysterious, equally mysterious, which is sowing your seed or giving, tithing, believe it. You know, I've been a Christian for so many years, serving the Lord and working in the church. I cannot say that I regret serving the Lord. No. I thank God that I've known him and followed him. I've found with time that the things that are in the word of God are real. And they are all true. And honestly, if we didn't have the Bible, we would have a big problem. Because the Bible is really our guide. It's telling us more about God and about everything that we see in this world. So, I want us in the first love church and anybody who is watching, listening, to believe the word of God. When God says we should give, sow our seeds and pay tithes. When you are a student and you have been given only 20 cities to go to school, remember that two cities, if you use two cities to buy watches, which is your tithe. You are eating a watch that you shouldn't be eating. I wouldn't be surprised if the meat will be spoiled. The meat that you are, you bought, you are buying is spoiled. And they fried it very hard. How many have noticed that sometimes the meat is fried very hard? See? I won't tell you why they fry it very hard. Oh, yes. So receive the blessings in the mysteries of prosperity. It is possible to be rich and righteous. It's possible. Job was like that. And you see that he, you know, in verse 5, he, one of his practices was that early in the morning, he offered up burnt offerings according to the number of all of them. Job was a giver. He was a man sowing seeds. So I want you to look at yourself. You know, if you were to be dead or dying or gone from this world, what would you look back on and say, you know, I wish I had done this or I wish I had given this if you are dead and we are coming to your wardrobe to clear the place, how many things do you have that you don't use and you will never use? Or even, I shouldn't even say wardrobe, your suitcases or your bags. Huh? Are you listening to me? When we went for the crusades in the north, you know, one of the moments that really affected me, you know, I went to help for, you know, to give away some of the clothes. I mean, 
I, because of that, I, I, want us to, I want us to prepare, you know, containers full of clothes. You get it? Oh, no, no, don't, 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 don't be clapping. Containers. Where we will not, we are not going, we will iron the clothes. We will iron and fold them. And arrange them in sizes. No, I was watching the people as I was giving it. They don't care what size. Whether it's a young girl's dress or anything. Just take anything. No, even if it looks like a rag. They just they are grateful. And you see them wearing it tomorrow. It's something. So, it's time to be givers. Amen. Let's give and give. And somebody you are saying to yourself, well, I don't have many clothes. That is what I'm trying to explain to you, the mystery. Start giving. And you'll be amazed. There are many mysteries to prosperity. In Nigeria, you know, in Ghana, if you fill your tank with your petrol, when you go to Nigeria, the same amount of money that you used to fill your tank in Ghana, you fill your tank four times. Yes. Four times. There are people that are sitting here in Nigeria. The money that you use to fill your tank in Nigeria, you fill it four times. The same car. I was talking to some of my missionaries in Nigeria. They were explaining to me. And also their petrol, when you put it in, it stays in the tank for a long time. That apparently is different from ours. So it, it, the engine will be on us, so it lasts longer. Hmm? <laughs> and then another brother was explaining that since he has been in Nigeria, their currency has changed by one, two pesos. You understand pesos? Like our pesos. You know, our currencies, CDs and pesos. Some of you have forgotten, but we have pesos. The currency has changed by two pesos. Ours has changed. It's been changing. Yeah, it's interesting. Things are different. Like prosperity is it, it, it's mysterious. They may end little, then this life is easier. There's no other imported thing. They don't import chicken. No, no, no. Everybody has made chicken around the area. You buy fresh chicken. Eggs. Fresh. It's not allowed. From outside as we have been advocating for years. It's mysterious. We are neighbors. But if you go there today, you'll say they are very poor. So when you come to Ghana, Ghana looks like we have KFC and Pizza Hut. Hey! Is it mysterious? Very complicated and mysterious. In a rich country like America, you see Beggars and poor people, plenty, killing each other. 
They have more killings in one year than in the whole war. Yeah. Hmm. So, you don't know where to be now, isn't it? Yeah. Ghana, Nigeria, or America. How many want God's involvement in your prosperity? Raise your hand if you want God. Learn to involve God. Don't take God out when it comes to... Because it is not simple. When I have a job like this, I will be rich. When I do this, then I will get this. And It's not like that. There's nothing like that. You get it? So, let us involve God in all things to do with money and your prosperity. Trust the word of God and follow God. God's word. And let God be involved in anything financial. Don't say, oh, I'm serving God, I worship. When it comes to money, say, Charlie, wait. Money is a different matter. And especially if your family, they don't give generously. How many realize between your mother and father, one gives more and one gives less? Take the spirit of the one who gives more. You didn't answer my question. I said, in your family, have you noticed that one gives more than the other? Take the spirit I'm talking in terms of giving. Be more generous. And those of you who are becoming parents, decide to be the parent who is more generous. (laughs) In Jesus' name. It will affect even your giving in church. Amen. Ask your neighbor, have you paid your tithe this April? April. You say you are doing service. You say you are working here. You are working at the bank. You do this. You are selling this. You are doing business. Have you paid April tithe? Or you've eaten it? If the person says, I don't want to sit by you, I beg you. Amen. How many remember the tree of life which has 12 manner of fruits? Oh, yes. See, people think that it's a kind of Disney World type of tree. But that's how normal trees were. And then it has been cursed to become a funny thing. You just yield only one fruit and once a year. From today, your life is going to experience fruitfulness. And prosperity in Jesus' name. Amen. Take out your offering. Take out your tithes. All those who have eaten April tithes say this is too bad. They are planning to give your April tithes in September. Ask your neighbor, I need your April tithes, February tithes, March, April, May, June. Tithing. And your offering. Lift it up and let's pray. Father, bless everyone as we give today. In the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth, we pray with thanksgiving. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Is Jesus the center of your joy? Everything that's good and perfect comes from him. And um, have you ever had meat pie? And the meat was not a lot, so it was only in the middle. And you keep on eating until you get to the center where the beef is. 
Jesus is the meat in the meat pie of life. He's the center of our joy. And I, I love coming to this church because I love coming to hear what Jesus has to say to me. I like coming because God is here. His wonders to perform. I like coming because my favorite preacher in the world usually comes to this church to preach. And uh, I'm excited to hear what God has to say to us. A great, a great songwriter said, there's no one like you, Jesus. Your words are full of life and power. They lead me on. They guide me on. They show me what I have to do. And I, I know today God is going to lead you on. He's going to guide you on. He's going to show you what he has for you and what he has to say to you. And I tell you, your life will never be the same again. Amen. How many of you are expecting a miracle? For those of you not standing to your feet yet, this is the time to stand to your feet. I want us to sing, I expect a miracle because I'm expecting to hear from God this afternoon. A miracle today. Everybody lift your hands and sing, nothing is impossible. It's actually one of the books, I, and maybe we will launch it next week. But it is, it's called, Lord, I know you need somebody. Lord, I know you need somebody. 
Lord, I know you need somebody. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30. It says, I sought for a man among them. Amen. That should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none. Amen. Now all through the Bible we see God You may not know, but it's all through the Bible. You see God looking for somebody. And the big question is, what does a big God, like our God, need from somebody like you and me? What can we do for him that he cannot do for himself? Amen. What would the Lord be needing from somebody like you? Alright? It's a very short message because I don't really, we are not like staying for long. But it's a short and important message. And the message is that, Lord, I know you need somebody. Amen. Now, there is a story, one day, there was um, a big and mighty lion, and the lion was the king of the forest. There was no animal that he was afraid of in the world. And everybody else was afraid of him. Now this lion was so powerful that he didn't even bother himself with, to eat smaller animals. He was mostly into eating big animals like buffaloes and um, antelopes, hippos, hippos and there's a melon and an elephant yes elephants one time I watched a documentary on a, a group of lions that specialize in eating elephants uh, that's all they eat, they eat elephants yeah it's a wonderful thing to see lions eating elephants anyway so this was this type of lion So one day, he was resting in the forest when he saw something flash across his right eye because he was sleeping and he saw a movement and then he moved his paw like this and he caught a mouse. Now the mouse... Even two days ago, I saw a lion chasing 
It's an animal. And he, he used the claw. He just used the claw to hold it. He, didn't, he, was, he was tired of running, so he just held it like this. Just, the claws held it, and it couldn't move. Yeah. Anyway, so he caught this mouse. And the poor mouse, he was looking at the mouse, and he decided to eat the mouse as chewing gum. And then the mouse began to beg the lion and said, please release me. Because even when you eat me, you won't get much. But he didn't know that the lion had decided to use him as chewing gum. Like he would just be chewing as he's sleeping. He would just be chewing him as he's sleeping. But the mouse cried and screamed and begged. The mouse said, be surprised that one day I can help you. And the lion laughed and said, you can never help me. You are nothing. But anyway, the lion for the first time in his life decided to have mercy and he released the chewing gum mouse and the mouse was set free. And the mouse said, thank you. Well, the mouse went a little distance before he turned around and said, thank you very much. And he ran away. Now, a few weeks later, there was a hunter who came into the forest. And his job was to catch animals alive and take them to the zoo. So he had a special trap which involved a net. So the lion also didn't know because he hasn't seen that. He eats animals, but he doesn't know that a man has a bigger brain. So the man set the trap in such a way that when the lion walked through some particular tree, the net fell down. And then as the lion struggled with it, it became more entangled. So the lion was now caught and then waiting for the hunter to come the next day. So the lion was roaring and then whimpering, you know, like a little type of cry. And then the little mouse, the chewing gum mouse, heard it and came around and saw the lion in the net. And she walked over the Now the lion was immobilized. He couldn't even move. The mouse said, I'll help you. I'll help you. So the mouse, are you listening? The mouse decided, walk up the lion over the head this way and chose some strategic points to chew the net. So he started. How many have ever seen some things in your house and realized that a mouse has come to chew the cables in the house? Yes. So the mouse started chewing some particular spots until a hole was created in the net from here. He chewed here, chewed here, chewed here. And the lion came out of the net. And the lion said, Thank you very much. 
I never knew that you of all people will be able to help me one day. And you see, God is the lion and you are the mouse. Yes. You even wonder what you can ever do for God. Yes. But for God to say in his word that I sought for a man I was looking for a man, a man, a weak man, a bad man, a useless man, a nobody man, a sinner man, who was searching for somebody. It's quite a surprise, this verse, that I sought for. What can a man do? Look at how frail we are. Today we are here. Tomorrow we are gone. But God says in his word, I sought for a man. So ladies and gentlemen, I want you to believe that God is looking for somebody. Somebody who will do something for him. And I I think that until you believe in your heart, that God is looking for somebody. You never really give yourself to him. Because you sort of always feel, what can you do? If I look at my life and ministry, I can say that some of the people who are most insignificant to others have helped me more than a whole lot of other people. People don't even know who they are. So, God is telling you today that he is actually looking for you to help with his great work that he's doing. You know, all my life I've been preaching and teaching about how God wants you to do something for him. And I think that Not everybody has believed these things. But for some people who have believed, it's really changed their lives. Lord, I know you need somebody. And the answer that you have to give to that question or that request is, you can depend on me. I'll be there. You can depend on me, Lord. Now, I want to say that your life is a very selfish life until you start giving yourself to do something that has not to do with your personal life and your personal prosperity. Your life is quite empty and shallow because there's not much to your life. But the day you give yourself, you give yourself to God, to, for God to use you, To help somebody. I believe that. Your life changes. And everything about your life changes. Amen. And for me. All through the years. I've been. um, Trying hard. To encourage people to believe that. God actually needs you. And wants you. In one sense he doesn't need you. 
But in another sense, he also needs you. And he's actually looking for you. Both are true. God doesn't need anybody. But on the other hand, God also needs you. And if you also don't play your part, it will be different. So, have in your mind, no matter how small you are, like the mouse, that I have some importance and there is still something I could do if I'm to give myself to the work of the Lord and to to, to God. Amen. So, number one, is Lord, I know you need somebody, all right, who will go in between God and men. Amen. Somebody to stand in the gap. Amen. And look at verse 20, verse 30, the same verse. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. And stand in the gap for me, for the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found none. Now, why am I not talking about your needs? Because this is how your needs get met. Your needs get met by looking at other needs. Yes. Your needs get met by looking at other needs. And this one is saying that he needed somebody to stand in between. So you may not know, but sometimes the way things are, somebody has to speak for you. Somebody has to go instead of you and explain and make some remark or some comment. And if you don't have somebody like that who will speak for you, Sometimes you are not going to get anywhere. If you take when the president is appointing people, I hear that they have to, the president has to appoint about 5,000 people. Do you see? Like when you come into office, I don't know if it's true, but when you, come in, when you become a president, you have to appoint not just the ministers of state, but so many other appointments have to make, and I hear it's about 5,000. Obviously, the president doesn't know all the people. Nobody can know. So, somebody has to go in between, you get what I'm saying, and say, oh, this person is such and such. And this person is, you know, good about this and good about that. And oftentimes, you know, there's nobody like that. Now, how many have realized that you've done things that God wants to strike you down? Raise your hand if you realize that God wants to strike you down. So God is looking for somebody to stand in between and say, God, wait, wait. I'm explaining something for these people. Somebody who will pray. Somebody who will be between God's anger and people. Or even between some other human being and you. Someone in between. And God said, I sought for a man who would make up the hedge. Look at it. And stand in the gap. Underline, stand in the gap for me. There's a song which says, stand in the gap. Standing in the gap for me. 
Standing in the gap is another way of talking about praying. Helen Baylor said in one of her songs, I had a praying grandmother. I had a praying grandmother. She was describing how she went down and down and down and down and down. But I had a praying grandmother. I had a grandmother who was praying for me all the time. Hallelujah. Many years ago, I read a testimony of an American professor who went to France with some students to go and on some tour of some sort in France. So when he was there, he developed some critical medical emergency and was taken to the emergency room and then he, 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 he died. Basically what he described as he died. You know? And uh, he describes how he came out of his body and saw his body lying there and other patients lying there. And I think his wife was lying weeping. And uh, how he was taken away and he was being ushered to hell. When he, and he didn't know how to pray because he was an avowed atheist. He did not believe in God. So a voice said, pray. And then he started to say, God save America. Something, because he didn't know how to pray. Now, he was saved from this incident. And he came back to life. After a whole ordeal, he was resuscitated. And then he lived. Now, he completely changed from being an atheist to, well, he was, he was just so frightened. He said, there is nothing more frightening than dying and going to hell. He said, the most frightening experience of all. Now, one of his problems when he came back was that, why did he come back? Why did he come back? Now, because he was an atheist, an atheist means that there is nothing like God, and that's in America. He didn't know anybody who was a Christian. <laughs> Can you believe it? And then he remembered that some years ago, when he was lecturing, there were two Catholic nuns who were in his lecture room and they were wearing their Catholic dresses. And I think he walked them out. He said, don't, you cannot come into my lecture with a religious dress. So he walked them out. I think, if I remember right. So he, he didn't know any religious person at all. So he went back to the records of the lecture to find the name of the two Catholic nuns that he had sacked from the class. And he was able to get their names. And then he contacted them. And he said, he contacted them and then he either met them or whatever. And he said, he doesn't know anything about God or anything but business prayers. And they told him that, oh yeah, from the day that you sacked us from the class, 
we have been praying for you. That, that thing made us pray for you. So we, we, we always pray for you. We have been praying for you to be saved. Oh, yes. Yes. So that was the explanation as to why he died and didn't, and came back. Because he felt that there were was, was some people, and said they, they mentioned his name and they have prayer meetings on him. For, for years. <laughs> so brothers and sisters, um, is there anybody who will pray for people to be saved amongst us? Lord, I know you need somebody who will go in between God and man. And I want to urge all of you huh, to hear what God is saying. That he says, I need somebody. Yes, I need somebody. You are very important to God. Your, your small contribution is important. Oh, yes. Number two. So the first one is, Lord, I know you need somebody who will stand in the gap or go in between God and man. Number two, Lord, I know you need somebody who will help the people of God. Amen. Somebody who will help. Amen. Second Kings chapter 14, verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, he began to reign. Verse 24. And he did that which was evil, and he departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam. Verse 25. And he restored the coast from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servants. Verse 26. For the Lord God saw the affliction of Israel, that it was very bitter, For there was not any shut up, nor any left, nor any helper for Israel. There was no helper. Underline this verse 26, especially, there was no helper. Amen. Lord, I know you need somebody. I know you need a helper. Someone who will help. You know, I want to encourage you, don't just be a member of the church. Be a helper. Help the church to work. Help people's lives. Help individuals. Help, I don't mean help only financially. Let me tell you, people need a lot of help. You know, there's nobody to help. I need a lot of help. I have people that help me. But I tell you, 
sitting there with your arms folded and watching the church work and saying to yourself, they don't need anybody. It's not true. We are not taught to go around begging people for help. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about making your life more useful by helping people. Helping somebody in his life. Oh yes. Helping things to work. Lord, I know you need somebody to help. You can depend on me. You can depend on me. Somebody who will help the people of God. You know, every time I've had to deal with government offices, I've had to deal with bureaucracy, I have to deal with people, people in power, people in important positions, people who have to do something. I'm always first trying to assess this person, will this person help or not help? Because when somebody wants to help, the person really helps. Do this, 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 everything will just work. Lord, I know you need somebody who will help the people of God. Lord, I know you, you can depend on me. You can depend on me. I'll be there. I will help and I will be involved. And I will not sit down and just fold my arms and watch and say, oh, they are very powerful. They don't need anybody. When I even look at the children, the young children that are coming up today, you know, if I had my way, I would say to every one of you here that everybody should be at the Rising Star service with a young student from secondary school. Yeah. Like you've decided to help somebody. Somebody's child. Who needs help. You know when my son died. I sent a message to. Some doctors. The two of them. And I said. I told my wife to tell them. I said no not my wife. Somebody else. So say thank you to them. Because they really helped him. So say thank you. That's all I remember about them. That they really helped him. I mean, you will always remember the people who help. Somebody's child who's not your child. Lord, I know you need somebody. Look at it. There was no helper for Israel. Lord, I know you need somebody you can depend on. That's your life. Uh, let me tell you. There's a, there's a saying, a watch pot doesn't boil. Have you heard that before? Like when you watch the cooking pot for it to boil, eh? it takes longer. Isn't it true? When you take your mind off it, it's like trying to lose weight. If you weigh, if you weigh yourself every day, you never lose weight. Weighing 
your problem every day is making the problem bigger than it is and it's making it last longer. The, one of the ways to take your mind off something is to help somebody. Lord, I know you need somebody to help. You can depend on me. You can what? You can depend on me. Lift your hand and say you can depend on me. Oh, yes. Amen. God is looking for someone who will help. Amen. Number three. Lord, I know you need somebody hmm, who can answer questions. There are questions. The questions of people, the questions that people have. Lord, you can depend on me. The third point is, Lord, I know you need somebody who can answer their questions. Lord, you can depend on me. I'll be there to answer all the questions for the children. I think I'm preaching for the rising stars, actually. Oh, yes. Every point I'm making is based on the scripture. Job chapter 5, verse 1. Call now if there be any that will answer thee. To which of the saints will thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man and envy slayeth the silly one. God is looking, look at it, it says in verse 1, Call now and see if there is any that will answer. You cannot go through life without seeing some of the mysteries of God. Why has this happened? Why is it? Look, why have I given offerings and I'm still not prospering? Huh? Lord, I know you need somebody to answer questions. You can depend on me. Raise your hand and say, Lord, you can depend on me. Oh, yes. Yes. I want you to make your life a life that is for other people. Answering questions. I've been asked many questions by many people throughout my life as a pastor. People have asked me questions. One day a sister said to me, look, I kept myself. Huh? I kept myself. I never slept with anybody. I never had anything to do with anybody. And here I am. I'm married. I was a virgin. I'm married. And I have no child for all these years. Explain. Why? Huh? No, 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 no abortion. And then, 
the same church, you know, I know, I know another sister who, she said to me that the number of abortions that I have done, she said, she told me one day, she said, uh, at the point I thought that my womb was spoiled. So I decided to try to be pregnant to test it again. Because she has cleared a number. And so she checked it. She checked again and the pregnancy came. And then she cleared that one and said, okay, it is working. And, uh, oh, yeah, in the same church, in the same congregation. Who will answer? But that's a pastor. That, is, that says, Lord, I know you need somebody to answer them. Lord, you can depend on me. Is there anybody who is interested? Are you interested or do you want to just be focusing on your life? Your life is very small and you keep watching your same problem. And you notice that it is still there. And it's not really changing. Is it not true? Tell your neighbor, the Lord needs you seriously, seriously. And now you are thinking, hey, but me, I've got a lot of problems. Huh. You are the one, is it, the day you start to talk to somebody, you realize that your problem is becoming smaller and smaller. Oh, yeah, because you realize that, hey, I mean, I thought I was a sinner, but as I'm counseling, I realize that the sinners is, is in levels. They are university sinners. Senior ones. Oh, yes. That's how I'm saved today. Because there was a man called Uncle James. Do you see? There was a man called Uncle James. And when I was in secondary school, he used to park his car outside the chapel. Scripture Union. He had a brown Datsun. And he used to park it outside. And we just see him. He had a beard. Quiet man. And people used to talk to him. And then one day I also talked to him. So me, I was not, you know, I'm not this, I'm not saved from like from one. No. I was not a Christian. From one, from two. From when I look at the SU people, I say, oh, these people. How fake? I used to think, how fake can you be? I, I saw them, they were there, they were praying. I said, what are, what are these? What is this? <laughs> I still have never seen fake, fakeness. And they'll be singing, do something. I just passed by and I said, no, no. Yeah. Till the Holy Spirit, I don't know how started to work on my heart. Yeah. I don't know how, because I, 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 know I was not in a church when they were preaching salvation and then I gave my life to Christ. No. It's just that certain questions came to my mind. And this Uncle James man, he was there. I remember clearly sitting down with him and asking him that, why did Jesus die? 
on the cross. I don't understand it. I don't understand why. And he quoted the scripture. So, you see, will there be anyone to answer the questions that you have in your head? Lord, I know you need somebody to answer. And he told me, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. He said there must be, blood must be shed for you to, for your sins to be forgiven. And he showed me the scripture. He said, this is why Jesus died. I said, wow. And because I said, I don't understand the drama. If you want to save us, save us. But what is the cross and all these things? There's too much activity for one salvation. But he explained. I said he explained. He was there to answer my questions. And you will have questions. Ah, people have questions. And instead of getting somebody like you to answer, they are googling it on the internet. And Google has become the answerer of the questions for young people because there's nobody to answer their questions Lord I know you need somebody Lord I know you need somebody to answer I can remember people who left church and left Christianity because somebody died their parent died one, one girl I remember I said no that's the end with God when I was in medical school, she said, finish. That my mother or my father died. She said, it's over. It's over. I, can't, I, don't, I, I cannot understand. But God, didn't, God did not answer. God did not answer our prayers. How can God not answer? That was the end of Christianity for her. I don't even know where she is today. She left everything. There, are, there will be questions. Why? And there are answers. When Laura Roberts' son died, Kenneth Hagen came to Laura Roberts to answer his question. And Kenneth Hagen quoted a scripture. I was reading it the other day. And Laura Roberts wrote in his book, he said, that was that was the answer from that moment because there was somebody to answer the question because it really affected them so Lord I know you need somebody somebody who will answer questions somebody was asking am I a woman or a man Who will answer that question? Yes. Because somebody is concerned that, you know, because you can, some people can treat you like a girl when you are a boy or laugh at you or say something. Hey, you are whatever. And give names. Who will be there to answer the question? Lord, I know. Are you realizing that you are important? How many realize that you are so important 
And you see, your little life that you lead just with yourself, you see, is not something that uh, will, can, can absorb all that you need. You need more than your own life for your life to be full. Selfishness is self-concern. Self-concern. Self-inward looking at your own issues but looking at others and out for others. From today, receive deliverance from that spirit of self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Amen. Number four. Lord, I know you need somebody who will deliver the children who are far from safety. Somebody who will deliver children who are far from safety. Many people's children are not safe. Oh, yes. In Job chapter 5, you see verse 1. Call now if there's anyone who will answer. For wrath killeth the foolish man. I've seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. Verse 4. His children are far from safety. And they are crushed in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them. His children are where? Far from safety. Far from safety. Wow. His children are far from safety. That's why I always reach out to people's children. Because many children are far from safety. They're far from safety. They need answers. They need helpers. They are not safe. How many have ever realized that you were not safe? Oh, yes. And there's a certain age. You know, that's where you are deciding which way your life will go. That is when you are not safe. Lord, I know you need somebody who will help the children who are far from safety. You can see that this child is not safe. And that's where God expects you. You who is not called reverend, you who is not pastor, but you are just a member of the church. To be someone who says, Lord, I know you need somebody. Like there's a song which we have which says, everybody needs a little help to get your life together. Is that the song? Is that how the words go? Yeah. Everybody needs a little help to overcome the problems. Is she here? Kezai, is she here? Okay. Yeah. Everybody needs a little help. Everybody needs to overcome their problems. And God is going to use you. I'm I'm challenging you. You know, God told me to tell you. Yesterday, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Tell them that I need them. Tell them that I need them to stand up and help. Tell them that they should say, Lord, you can depend on me. And become 
an evangelist and a pastor and a helper and an answerer of questions. If you can't do it, this Uncle James, we never called him pastor or reverend. We just called him Uncle James. I've not, I, he, was an, he was a civil engineer. Civil engineer. He was a, a lot of things, including my physics teacher. He taught me physics. Sitting down with me to teach me, then he will be teaching me things about the word. Beautiful. Can you imagine how much time I spent with him? I used to go to his house for physics classes in A-level. A-level. Just me and him. He had time for me. He was looking out for my A-level results when they came. Oh yeah, he was very concerned about how well I'm doing. He saw me as, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Lord, I know you need somebody to answer the children's questions. How many will lift your hand and say, Lord, you can depend on me. I, I am nobody. I'm the mouse in the church. How many really feel that you are the mouse in the church, the church mouse? But God, you'll be surprised. God will use you if you will say, Lord, you can depend on me. Instead of you bringing that young girl to church, somebody else will pick her up. Eh? And during the week, they will be on their abortion. From the abortion clinic to uh, complications from the abortions and other things. Medicines to abort children. Because you are not there. You'll be surprised what God can do and will do. Lord, I know you need somebody to deliver the young children who are far from safety. One day I was talking to a young boy who said, girls are not beautiful. I look at his young face. He said, boys are more beautiful. I was bargaining for his life. And I could see his father heartbroken. Who is going to be there but he loved me. I could see that he loved me. The young boy loved me. He wanted to take a picture with me. I knew that maybe it's something I say. Maybe God will give me the word. Something that I can say. Something maybe. Lord, I know you need somebody. You can depend on me. I'll, I'll put aside my self-centered life. I will help the children. Anybody. You can, I can be older than you. It doesn't matter. I'll be there. To help. Lord, I know you need somebody. You can depend on me. Amen. Number five. Are you there? Oh, I'm almost finished. Lord, I know you need somebody who will become an intercessor. Oh yes. Job chapter 9 verse 33. He says, if only there was someone. Job chapter 9 verse 33. If only there was someone to mediate 
To do what? To mediate. Try the American Bible. Between us and someone to bring us together. Amen. Amen. If only there was someone. Lord, I know you need someone to stand in the gap again who can bring people together. It's not all the marriage counselings that I've been successful at. Some of them I counsel them. One time I counseled a couple from around 7 in the evening till the morning. Daybreak. It was about 6, 7 in the morning when the counseling ended. And still it did not succeed to bring them together. But there have been others that have been successful. I remember one that was becoming somewhere and I said, this, this, that, that. And I said, this, this, that, that. That was the end of the trouble up till today. If there will be somebody to look at the verse. If only there was someone to mediate between us. To mediate between us. Somebody who would tell the truth and say, you are wrong. You are nice, but you are wrong. Well, you have people who don't say, say that. It divides even more. Because you're just not prepared to say the right thing. Somebody who will say, you are wrong. You are right. But you know where we have men pleasers. You, are, you don't have people who are ready to say, you are wrong. Always want to say, oh, you know, let's give it some time. Let's, you know, let's not rush. Let's do this. Let to be able to say, you are wrong. You are right. Because somebody is wrong. That's judgment. And somebody will accept it. You need that. Amen. Lord, I know you need somebody. You can depend on me. Amen. Number six. How many want to have a copy of this book in your hand? Lord, I know you need somebody. Lord, I know you need somebody who will help people who don't have power and strength. People who don't have strength. But Job answered and said, Job 26, verse 1. But Job answered and said, How hast thou helped him that is without power? How sayest, how savest thou the arm that has no strength? Huh? How do you help someone who is without power? The person is powerless sometimes against sin. I saw one sister one time. She is now, I believe she's married. I don't know if she's here. She said, I cannot control myself if this boy comes. I said, wow. How many would like your wife to be able to say, I can't control myself when my husband comes? (laughs) those things when they get married <laughs> she said I can't control myself so I said ah, if he comes can you know she said I don't know why I can't control myself when he comes I said wow 
But look at this scripture. Job answered and said, how has thou helped him that is without power? You help someone who has no power. One shepherd, he went to the house with a carpenter and changed the lock because the boyfriend had got a key to the house. Oh, yes. I mean, he said, no, I'm helping this one. She has no power so that the guy cannot enter the house again. She changed the lock. I see you rising up and helping those that are without power. Oh, tell your neighbor, Charlie, try and help somebody with this world, this life. Even transport, help somebody with transport, help somebody with like, talking to someone, advising, sharing. The children today, their parents have gone to school, uh, work, they come in the night, everybody's asleep, coming, going, nobody talks to them. True or not true? Lord, I know you need somebody. You can depend on me. And I tell you, church, the church is is, is a help and a solution. That is if we are working. It's not just having members who sell cutting materials. It's helping the church to be full of children. Full of what? Children. Oh, I believe many of us, if we want to really work for the Lord, rising stars, helping the little ones, even coming to church just to see that I just came, I came, this is not my service, so I came to see that you are here. That's all, that's why I'm here. I came to see that you are here. I came to see that you are here. Yeah. Lord, I know you need somebody. You can depend on me. And finally, Lord, I know you need somebody who will become a father to the fatherless. Amen. How many want to become a father to the fatherless? I don't mean that they'll be calling you papa. That's not what you must be concerned about. That now, Nowadays, people call you papa. Papa has come. Are you sure you want to be a papa? Do you know what is involved in being a papa? Hmm. What have you been through? What have you survived? Job 29 and verse 11. He said, I gave witness because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had none to help him. Because I did, I, Job, I delivered, he was explaining his righteousness. And he says, I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had no one to help him. Amen. Fatherless people are pitiful. And God is raising up people to be a father. I am a father to many people. I am a father to many people. This, in this season, many people have said, look, your sons are, we are many. Oh, yes. Because, you know, even your biological relations, Jesus said, you know when Jesus was on the cross, he told John, 
He said, that's your mother. And he told his mother, that's your son. Even though Mary had brothers. I said Mary had brothers. Mary had other sons. James and others. Huh? Yes. He rather said, this, are, this is your son. And Jesus, Mary moved from her house, not to stay with James and some of the others, but to stay with John, who was not biologically related to her. From that day. Look at it. Woman, I've changed your biological relation. This is your son. The spiritual things are very... You see, in the church, you gain sons, daughters, fathers, and mothers, and it's real. You don't, don't think that it's not real. Think about it. This is the son of God. He's living his only possession on this earth that he had a certain feeling for was his mother. And he said, mother, this is your son. And what does the next verse say? That, that he moved on. He moved. Alright? And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So, Lord, you can depend on me to, be, to become even a biological relation to some people who need biological they virtually need biological relations. You can trust me, Lord. Maybe God wants you to add more people to your house. You know, sometimes when people are getting married, or sometimes when people die, they will say, oh, they will bring somebody. So oh, it's not, it doesn't have the same. So, oh, but I grew up in his house. Oh, this person looked after me. Oh, this one was with me since I was. This one did this all these years. It's like my mother. That's what Jesus was saying. Even Jesus had about four or five brothers and sisters. No, 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 no. He said, this one is more, it's more than biological. This one is more than biological. Wow. So don't joke with the church. You'll find over the years that God gives relationships and God is looking for somebody who will be a father. When Kenneth Hagin died and I got the news, I started crying. I, I never Spoken to him really before. I started crying. It was like, my father is dead. Amazing. So, brothers and sisters, Lord, I know you need somebody you can depend on me. Come, Maya, and sing it for me.
and there is no heaven, it's, <laughs> everything becomes very strange. So I want you to lift your hands today and pray personally to God. The Lord, I know you need somebody. Somebody who loves you. Somebody who works for you. Somebody who does your will. Somebody who can help the fatherless. Somebody who can help the children. Someone who can be kind. Somebody who can answer questions. Somebody who will be there to explain. Somebody will be there to help in any way. Financially, whatever way. Now that I know you need somebody. You can depend on me. Lift your hands and speak to him. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We give you thanks and we give you praise. Thank you for guiding us today and blessing us in a very special way. In Jesus' name, Lord, we surrender. Lord, we know that even though we have a lot of issues, you can still use us for something. Thank you for blessing the whole church with usefulness, being useful for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. We thank you, dear Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. As every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you are here and you need to give your life to God, I want to just pray with you before we close. Maybe somebody invited you, but you want to give your life to God. Just lift your right hand very quickly. And I'm going to pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. Pastor, pray with me. Maybe you have questions. Maybe somebody invited you. But you want to say, Pastor, pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, the Savior of this world. If you are here like that, wherever you are, Pastor, pray with me. Help me to know God. Help me to know Jesus. Wherever you are, want Jesus to save you change your life. Lift your hand up like this. God bless you. I see your hand and pray with me this prayer. Very important prayer. Now if your hand is lifted up like this, I want you to do one more thing. Just come to me in the front. Come from, come from where you are standing. Come. I can see you with your hand lifted up. Just walk this way through the aisles. Come. Come to the front here. Come from the side. Come from wherever you are. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. I give my life, my heart to Jesus Christ. 
No, say after me, Jesus. I can't hear you say, say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I am sorry for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn around. Say, I turn around. I receive Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, as my Master. Please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. I want you to follow our pastor. He's lifted a sign. Follow me. God is going to change your life as you go this way. Go this way. God bless you. Put your hands together for them. You may be seated. Take your Holy Communion. Now, how many believe that we are blessed as we have our Holy Communion? Oh, yes. We are really blessed. Yeah. And um, God is blessing us mightily. Take your... Lift, stand to your feet, lift your holy communion. Father, thank you for this great healing, great blessing you give to us today as we partake of the holy communion. My salvation healing power come into our lives. We receive your mercy. We receive healing for our bodies right now. The body of Jesus Christ. Now lift up the Holy Communion. shine on you. May the Lord answer all your questions in your life. May the Lord heal you of everything that is hurtful and painful. May the Lord give you stability in your mind, in your heart, and your soul. In the name of Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. May the peace of God which passes understanding rest in your life. Now and always. Be delivered from any demon that is in your house, your dwelling place. Whatever is a cat or a dog spirit. Bible says outside are dogs. Any dog spirit, cat spirit, or entity that moves in your home. I 
bind it in the name of Jesus. Be free from the presence of shadows, fleeting shadows, darkness, negative spirits, familiar spirits. In Jesus' name, I banish them from your house. In the mighty name of Jesus. Be blessed, be healed, be delivered. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May be seated. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.